We got so many problems that we don't even want to look at them anymore. The worst part is that we feel like we can't do anything about it. And that's a tragedy. Because we can. If you've ever seen the look on somebody's face the day that they finally get a job, they look like they could fly. And it's not about the paycheck, it's about respect. It's about looking in the mirror and knowing that you've done something valuable with your day. And if one person can start to feel that way, and then another person and another person, then pretty soon all these other problems that we're facing may not seem so impossible. You don't really know how much you can do until you stand up and decide to try. everyone, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Yes, you know, uh, having a job versus a welfare check. Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the difference and, uh, you know, how it makes you feel and, uh, you know, the difference of what people are voting for. Do, do I want stuff for free or would I rather have a job? People don't realize, people don't realize the impact that having a job doing something productive with your day makes you know they talk about people that when you retire they they just you know if you completely retire people just tend to die early so uh i never intend to completely retire i'm just going to do more vacations as i go but uh we're going to talk about that just what dave was talking about that in that dave what Kev, kevin klein was talking about in that movie dave from uh, several years back that i've used several clips from uh, but before we get into that, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Orange, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina in two more weeks. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic uh, opportunities out there, you just got to have your hook in the water. Can't catch fish without your hook in the water. And you need uh, financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get information on some real estate financing, but you don't want me to hear your voice because you're at work and you don't want your neighbors to know what you're doing. Or uh, you just don't want me to know what your voice sounds like until I give you some positive feedback. Go to edhoffman.net, click on apply now, give me as much information as you want me to have, and uh, let me know how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my teammates, uh, Randy Sampius, Matt Bradbury, uh, Alex Rojas, or Justin Clark, and we will uh, help you uh, fill in the gaps in your financing puzzle, refinancing, buying, purchasing, second homes, investment properties, reverse mortgages, any of that, call us, we'll fill you in. If you hear something that you want repeated, you can also uh, hear this show in uh, four past shows repeated. I think it's more like eight past shows. I went on the iTunes the other day just to see, and I think there's about eight shows on there. Uh, and you, So you can get me on edhoffman.net, click on listen to, listen to the main event, or go on iTunes and uh, search the podcast for the main event or for Ed Hoffman or Ed Hoffman main event. You'll, you'll see uh, my mug from about eight years ago when I was much less gray than I am now. And uh, and you be, can subscribe for free and I'll download once a week to your uh, computer, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, 
your uh, your Droid or any other device that you can get iTunes on, and uh, you can listen in your car or anywhere you want at it anytime you want. Uh, if you can't wait for the weekends to hear what my opinion is on things, you can follow me at Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long, and you can uh, like the show on Facebook. Do a Facebook search of the Main Event 590 to find the show page. You can also read my weekly columns in uh, uh, IE Business Daily. Just go to IE Business Daily and uh, click on the opinion tab, and you'll see my columns. This week, my my uh, this week, my opinion, my opinionated rant is about uh, anti-capitalists. So, in uh, the hatred for the their hatred for the truth, which kind of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and it's actually, it's just leading off. But first, uh, before we get into our first. Uh, uh, our first subject of the day, let me bring on my co-host, uh, Mr. Scott McPhee, proprietor of Don's Bikes, uh, one of the top 100 bike shops in the country. Uh, Scotty, welcome back. Yo, Ed, it's great to be back. Always lots of fun. Absolutely. So uh, so let's let's just jump right into things uh, because a little something, something happened last week that I didn't get a chance to talk about because I was talking about uh, people that don't pay their bills and uh, and how they get to stay in their houses and why people think they should. Uh, but, uh, you know, earlier this month, a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, Governor Moonbeam, Jerry Brown, signed the Fair Wage Act of 2016, a law that would gradually increase the minimum minimum wage till it reaches $15 an hour in the year 2022. Law would only apply to businesses uh, with 26 or more employees or uh, until 2023 if you've got less than Less, I, I don't know what the impact of waiting one more year if you've got a smaller company. But, uh, you know, now that they've won this round, California labor activists are organizing marches for their next goal, $15, $15 nationwide. Here's what one activist told uh, a reporter on KTLA Channel 5. Well, the main message is that today um, workers made history in California by winning $15 an hour, but there's still millions of workers across the country that are still struggling making poverty wages, and that needs to change because they're trying to make ends meet, trying to provide for their family. So we're standing here today in solidarity for all those who have not reached $15 an hour. That's why we're here today. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, look, uh, this was one thing I definitely wanted to go off on on the show, Ed, because it does impact me personally. I'm a small business owner. I have about 20 employees. I have about four or five people that are minimum wage. And I got to say, I've heard a lot of people talk about this. I've heard people on our station talk about this. I've read articles about it, but I'm going to lay it out really hard and really clear for everybody in terms of how devastating this is going to be for the California economy. And it's one more example of why the Democrat Party should not be in power at all. It's not like we need a balance of Republicans and Democrats. No, we don't need a balance of productive and destructive parties. And that's what we're getting. And I don't even refer to Jerry Brown as governor, kind of like you don't refer to President Obama as president. Because Jerry Brown, I'm just going to call him Jerry. Because Jerry has no idea what he's doing, nor do the people in Sacramento who've never run businesses, they've never made a payroll before, and they have no idea of what I, I would consider. This is going to be devastating, Ed. Um, and and, and I've, I can give you lots of examples why. I mean, I talked to a guy that I know that has a couple Del Tacos, and I asked him, I said, hey, what's this going to mean for you, and how are you going to how are you going to cope with a $15 an hour minimum wage? Because we're right about 10 bucks an hour now. And he said, oh, it's actually pretty simple. They just raise the prices of tacos and every other product. So the bean counters at Del Taco are figuring this out as we speak. No pun intended. That, that the, was pretty good, actually. The bean counter? <laughs> that was actually pretty good. I didn't even intend that one. Um, so the point is, number one, the, one of the things that this is going to cause is inflation. And for those of you who are Democrats that are listening, that means where the prices of things just start going up. And who does that hurt the most? 
Ed. The, the people that don't make very much money. Yes, exactly. It, it, it hurts lowing, lower class, hurts the middle class. Um, and and again, what is this? What is the net impact of all of this? It's going to actually have the opposite effect of what their good intentions were. Now, Jerry Brown said that that it was this was a good thing to do from a societal standpoint, from a moral standpoint, from a political standpoint. But he did acknowledge that it was a bad thing to do from an economic standpoint. And I would love to actually have Jerry sitting in front of me so I could ask him, Jerry, what do you mean when you say it's going to be bad economically? What what do you actually think will be the detrimental impact of this from an economic standpoint? Yeah, why, why would you do something that's detrimental economically because it's positive politically? Well, yeah, of course it means more votes because it means more people unemployed and on government dependence. So we're going to screw it. We're going to screw over the state. We're going to screw over everybody economically, but at least they'll vote for me. So all, he's not even up for re-election, is he? He's, he's done. No, he's done. He's just an old washed up hippie that managed to become our, our governor. And it's pretty sad and pathetic that that's the case. But, you know, I mean, I had one, one of my customers who's a far, far left liberal and he comes and he likes to take me on politically and debate me in, in the shop. And I always, you know, I'll have everybody stop. Okay, everybody listen in all my employees listen in while I basically uh verbally dismantle this person in front of them you should we, put a, you should put some video cameras in there we oh it's make really it good a, make it into like a, a reality show oh it's it's great and he of course is a state government employee so he doesn't care but but he used to make he used to have a pottery business so I asked him I said okay you got your pottery business and let's say it's you and you have two minimum wage employees and you're paying them each ten dollars an hour and you're actually able to eke out a little bit of a profit out of this profit out of this pottery business you're doing so let's say minimum wage which goes up to 15 bucks an hour, but you can't afford that. What are you going to do? And his answer was, well, I'll just go out and get more business. And I said, okay, well, that's all well and good, but let's say there's more business to be had. So you're going out there and it pretty much levels off. You've already, you've already topped out your market, right? And he's like, well, I guess I just have to let somebody go. And I said, exactly. You can't afford to keep them anymore. You have to unemploy somebody. So, you know, th this is just the result of these dumb, stupid policies that have great intentions, Ed. I had a, uh, I had a, a branch of my company up in Victorville several years back. And when the lease came up on the, uh, on the office, I told the two guys that were running, I said, Hey, I'll renew the lease, but you guys have to, you guys have to, to, uh, sign on the lease with me and, and, and I'll split the profits on the office with you in addition to all the pay that you get where they were only getting 25%. And I said, but the rule, but the, the kicker is if you guys go negative, if you guys go negative, um, then you have to write me a check for half the negative. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. The point is, the point is what, what I'm, what I was getting at is, is, uh, they said, well, we're just going to start our own company and we close the branch. And I said, well, it takes six loans a month to break even. You guys are falling below that. Well, we'll just, we're going to do a lot more business. So I said, you're going to spend way more money to open up this new business, whereas you could just do it here. They go, oh, we're going to do more business. Well, if you could do more business, why aren't you doing it now? So you think you think that, that I'm getting rich on you guys, and I'm showing you the books. You think I'm cooking the books somehow to, to make it look not as profitable. The numbers are the numbers. This is... People don't understand what it costs to run a business and how and how it how it how you have to budget it and balance things and and hey you know if you've got a pottery business I'll just go out and get some more business how much how much more business is there in pottery right exactly and and, and again oh, go ahead. and and if you could generate some more why don't you generate it now 
Right. Well, exactly. But it's it's these people are under the illusion that all of these small business owners throughout the state of California have this extra money we can just pull out of our rear ends to give people. And that in turn will boost the economy when it's going to have just the opposite effect. Um, I know there was another clip we had also of that same. Protester. Oh, yeah, that same. Uh, let's play the yeah. second half of that. You know, on the other side of this, also, a lot of people are saying that if we raise the minimum wage uh, to $15 an hour, we might be hurting some small business owners. What do you think about that? I don't think so, because we also talked to small business owners in other states where they thought that it was going to affect them, and it didn't. They actually gave their opinions, and they said, you know what? It has actually increased business, because now they're able to compete with corporate companies like Walmart and other corporate companies that, you know, that... um they'll just be able to compete now they'll be able to compete how's how what sense does that make? <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, this is just a little article that I saw in the Inland Valley Daily Bulletin, which is pretty much a left-leaning rag that I don't subscribe to, but I got it here anyways. Um, this is from the University of California, Berkeley, their Center for Labor Research and Education. They projected the increase would have a ripple effect for those uh, for, for those whose wages would increase to keep pace. The researchers project it would increase pay for about 5.6 million Californians by an average of 24%. More than a third of the affected workers are parents. Let Latinos would benefit most because they hold a disproportionate number of low-wage jobs, the researchers said. So this is Berkeley. They're a bunch of idiots. Uh, the right-leaning American Action Forum countered with its own projection that the increases could cost nearly 700,000 jobs. The increases are projected to eventually cost California taxpayers an additional $3.6 billion annually for higher government employee pay. So that's something that has been factored in this as well. But let me wrap up this with one quick point. The, the thing these people are all missing is that minimum wage jobs are not for people raising families. They are largely and overwhelmingly for people where this is their first job, their first entrance into the job market. And I'll give you a quick example. I had a Hispanic gal come into our shop. She was 17 years old and she said, hey, are you guys hiring? And my typical response, well, bring me a resume. And nine times out of 10, you know, they never come back. They don't so, know what resume. They don't yeah, know how exactly. resume. But she comes back and she brings me her resume and it was pretty well done. You know, and I said, okay, thank you very much. And she did what, what even fewer people do. She followed back up with me. And she said, hey, I just wanted to check back. Have you had a chance to look at my resume? Da, da, da. I was wondering if I could come in for an interview. And I liked her spirit and I liked her attitude. And I said, you know what? Come on in for an interview. I'm not saying I'm going to hire you, but I think it's it's really valuable for a 17-year-old uh, to come in and at least participate in the interview process to give her some experience with that. The point is, she, I asked her a lot of tough questions in the interview, ended up hiring her, Ed. I gave her her first job and she told me that when she went from place to place, she dropped off dozens of resumes. No one would give her a shot at it because she had no previous job experience. I did. I hired her. And again, she worked as a cashier. She did merchandising. She received inventory. My point is, and I want to drive this home really hard, I could not employ her at 15 bucks an hour. That job's just not worth 15 bucks an hour. I couldn't do it. So somebody like her would be out of luck completely. My point is for the first time job seekers, and I don't know who that lady was in that interview. She seems like an idiot. She's going to be the one that's going to be hurt the most because there's not going to be any jobs for somebody that doesn't have that experience already. Seems like a Democrat. Probably. Yeah. The uh, people don't, people don't have any, this, and this is, this is one of the reasons that I continuously say that I'm out of what we have left, that I'm pro Trump as opposed to anybody, you know, Hey, he's not a politician, but he's a businessman. And there's something to be said for people who've run a business. They understand something that everybody else doesn't. Oh yeah. I understand. I have a, I have a business degree. I understand. I know how to balance my checkbook. If you haven't run a business, you don't understand. 
And if you want to have a job, we if you want to have jobs available and you want this economy to go, we need to have somebody that in, that understands business. Well, definitely private sector experience is really valuable because you live in kind of the real world, you know? Um, and my only final comment to Jerry, to Jerry, Jerry, to Jerry, is that you can't have a welfare state, which is what we live in, and have and have a business, an anti-friendly business environment at the same time. Because where does the money go for your welfare state and all your dumb programs? It comes from the private sector. If there's no private sector and they're leaving California now, Ed, Toyota in, uh, what was it, Tustin or uh, Toyota in uh, Torrance, Torrance. 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 They packed up and left with a couple thousand jobs. Does anybody in Sacramento care, Ed? Uh, no. They don't care. They How don't about, care. did they care if we got the battery factory for Tesla? No, they, they don't, don't care. They don't care. They don't get it. All because they they'll get their stinking, lousy government pensions. Jerry's ready to retire. He'll be fine, Ed. I thought he already did retire. He did, and then somebody dragged him back from the crypt. Uh, just awful. Uh, especially when we had Meg Whitman, a potentially very well-educated, well-spoken, intelligent uh, business person uh, running against him. And that's when you knew it was over for California. It was when they put that loser up there instead. Yeah, we had uh, Carly Fiorina that could have got rid of that idiot Barbara Boxer, too. Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> and, you know, we just, California people, we need to we need to turn things around before June 7th. Yes, we do. Do something smart. So let's talk some politics because that's what we like to do. So this week... Uh, Skyrocketing tension between Donald Trump and Republican National Committee. Start out, you know, it seems like seems like there was a couple of weeks there before uh, Wisconsin that everything that Trump said, every time he had the mic in front of him, he said something stupid. And uh, <laughs> I think that's been the whole campaign. But go ahead, uh, not sorry. the whole campaign. All right. So, uh, so yeah, he said he said a lot of dumb stuff. But every candidate has said a lot of dumb stuff. Mm. But uh, Trump just seems to get more coverage on it than anybody else. But yeah, he said a lot of dumb stuff. He should have learned to say, hey, I'm not answering that question. Um, and then with Wisconsin came uh, Cruz's win of that. You'd think he won the won the presidency already. And then uh, now for the last couple of weeks, we're getting ready for New York. And, and Cruz is going to get stomped in New York. And because uh, apparently you don't go into New York and... and, uh, and uh, criticize new york values it's kind of like uh what did i say last week there's certain things you just can't say that about people that they can say about themselves mm. uh, i don't know i don't want to get into races <laughs> or anything but uh so so this week this week ted cruz uh ted cruz took all 34 delegates in colorado a state that uses a convention delegate system instead of voting in a primary or caucus that seems weird, doesn't it? The whole system is weird and confusing, and I stopped trying to figure it out a long time ago, Ed. I so mean, so this system doesn't allow for a winner by popular vote. I would think the people of Colorado wouldn't like that. Trump lashed out at the Republican National Committee for allowing Colorado to change its rules in August, just months before he entered the race. But that was August last year, so he certainly had plenty of time to, to uh, have read the rules. He continued to talk and tweet about all week long. Here's an example of a uh, speech he gave in Pittsburgh. Here's what's happening here. So we vote, and whoever wins gets 17 delegates. But whoever doesn't win can get like 35 or whatever the difference is between the... So think of it. You beat somebody badly with the people. Because it's a rigged system, folks. The Republican system is a rigged system. Yeah, well, uh, Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus... Dan's trying to get me to say Prince Rebus. Uh, Reince Priebus first <laughs> responded to, to Trump on Tuesday with his tweet. Nomination process known for a year plus beyond. Uh, it's the responsibility of the campaigns to understand it. Complains now. Give us all a break. Uh, I can't. I can't 
disagree with uh, with that. You know, hey, just tell me the, if the rules are the same for everybody. And this is business. This is America. If the rules are the same for everybody, just tell everybody the rules and win or lose, everybody lands where they land. And that goes for rich people and poor people, black people and white people, Asian people and Hispanic people. Hey, the rules are the same for everybody. Opportunity is the same for everybody. This country was not wasn't there to give us equal uh, equality, equal opportunity. Opportunities are equal if you decide they're equal. So anyway, I I uh, I, I rant. Uh, Trump pushed back even when uh, Anderson Cooper asked him on this. Bottom line is the rules are the rules. Didn't you just get outplayed on the ground? No, I don't think so. I know the rules very well, but I know that it's stacked against me and by the establishment. I fully understand it. We had people out there and they weren't heard. We had delegates there. We had a lot of delegates and they were not heard because the Republican Party out there was 100 percent probably controlled by the RNC, which maybe doesn't like this happening because I'm a self-funder. I'm putting up my own money. They don't like when I put up my own money because it means they don't have any control of me because I'm working for the people. And Priebus responded to this. It's clearly not. Um, you know, look, all, all the candidates have the rules of the game. I have to respond, though, if the party of which I'm the chairman of is getting attacked, especially when it's not true. And I think it's a bunch of uh, sour grapes. I think so, too, Ed. And I think that this was an opportunity for Donald Trump to do what he hasn't really done a whole lot of, and that is appear presidential. Uh, and I thought these new guys that he was bringing on to his team were going to make him more presidential. It takes but, time, buddy. It takes oh, time. Okay, it takes time. Well, we got another five years until he gets it, or what? No, he's got uh, he's got another five months. Yeah, he does. He better figure it out pretty quick. Um, I think the issue is, yeah, it did sound like sour grapes. And when he went on to say that Ted Cruz robbed him of, the, of, the, of whatever state it was, Wisconsin, I think, and it was Ted Cruz, the Trojan horse. And as opposed to the Democrats, where Hillary came out and said, hey, congratulations to Bernie Sanders for his win in Colorado or Wisconsin. I remember. But it's like, okay, at least there's a professional response. Trump had nothing to gain by whining like this. Instead, he could have been presidential and said, hey, congratulations to Ted. I look forward to going to New York. That would have been short, sweet, to the point. But he keeps being Trump. Of course, I hate to, uh, to, uh, uh, <laughs> criticize him for not being as professional as Hillary because Hillary yeah. Hillary's such a professional politician mm. she was such so, so gracious uh, Ted Cruz chimed in on Anderson Cooper about the subject they're acting like union boss thugs in, in Colorado I spoke yesterday to the chairman of the Republican Party in Colorado Trump supporters put out his home address, put out his phone numbers. He got thousands of phone calls. He got death threats. Trump supporters were telling the supporters, go to his house and bring their guns. Yeah, Trump supporters do a lot of things because they're angry. And uh, as do uh, as do Cruz supporters, they put out tweets. They put out tweets that say that uh, Carson gets out and they do all <laughs> kinds of stuff. But uh, nobody, ta- nobody takes accountability from the top, but they all expect it, each other. And I'm going to say this is around – this is – across the board when your supporters do something bad to me it's your fault but when my supporter when my supporters do something bad to you i don't know nothing about it Mm, well you know look i think donald trump's biggest adversary really the person that could cost donald trump uh the primary nominee is donald trump i will agree yeah um you know and you and i have gone back and forth i mean we can list the lines of dumb things that he said whether it's carly fiorina's face or george w bush causing 9-11 or ben carson being similar to a pedophile uh it goes on and on and on and the shame war was a mistake yeah i mean it's a shame because actually i think donald trump if it weren't for donald trump would have this thing already wrapped up by now 
I really uh, do. But I would he, agree. But he's but he's shooting himself in the foot. But, um, go ahead. But you know what? You know what? You know what? The thing that makes me just ignore a lot of this stuff mm. is because when you when you get the microphone in front of you. In front of people, sometimes you say dumb stuff. I don't hear one dumb thing come out of Ted Cruz's mouth. But hey, I'm biased, Ed. So. Yeah, well, you are. You are biased, but you know, biased. I've said I've said a lot of dumb stuff. But you know, you mm. need a you need a leader who's strong. What what gives me uh, hope and comfort is this guy Trump has employed hundreds of thousands of people, and you don't even have any former employers former employees come out and saying he screwed me he treated me bad you don't have anybody coming and saying i got a bad deal from this guy you got some lawyers that started a, a class action suit that started a class action suit that had something to say and you got his opponents that have some bad things to say but nobody that knows him has anything to say but he's a good man anyway we're out of time we're out of time for part one we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the other side of the of the political spectrum hillary don't go away. Five minutes of commercials, traffic, and weather. We'll be right back with part two of the main event. This is the 14th district of North Carolina and the city of Hammond. We are acquiring massive parcels of real estate under a shell corporation so we can reopen three large factories. Ostensibly, we own this district. We think we can operate at the same regulatory and wage levels as China and eliminate shipping costs. And your government will cooperate? We also own the most important resource of all. A willing candidate. Candidate? Your elections are unpredictable. Mr. Zhang, there's something you need to know about American politics. When you've got the money, nothing is unpredictable. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you need direct, if you need mortgage, mortgage products, refinancing, purchasing, reverse mortgages, any of that stuff, you're not going to hear much about it on this show because we talk about interesting stuff. But if you want, if you if you hear this interesting stuff and you say, hey, that guy thinks like me, then I can trust that guy. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020 and you can uh, talk to a lender you can trust. So we've been talking about uh, we've been talking about a lot of stuff. Um, but what's happening happened with uh, between uh, uh, Trump and the and the Republican Party this past week? Let's get on to the Democrat Party because that's been quite a comedy act the, la- uh, the last few days. Um, it's been a rough week for Hillary. Started out at uh, at the Inner Circle dinner in New York last week, and oh, I forgot on on the on the on the studio with me this week. If you didn't join us for part one, Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes. Yo, Ed, great to be back once again I've in the house. To, forgot to reintroduce you. That's right. So, uh, so Hillary at the at the Inner Circle dinner last uh, weekend, uh, you know, she had a comedy skit. She performed with uh, New York. You know, we've talked about this. How Hillary's not funny. No, Hillary is about as funny as a bad case of hemorrhoids while standing in line at the DMV. Ed, do you like that? That's a bad visual. That's ba- yeah. It's good it's, on good on radio. Though. But that's how funny she is. Exactly. So the they performed this thing. Her and her and Big Bird, Bill De Blasio, didn't go as well as planned. Let's play that little piece of it. Thanks for the endorsement, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Took you long enough. <laughs> Sorry, Hillary. I was running on CP time. It's not, I don't, I don't like jokes like that, Bill. It's not. Cautious politician time. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know how that would have gone down if that was a Republican joke. Ed, that joke went over like a brick through a church window. It was awful. Uh, and I, by the way, I didn't even know what the joke meant. The joke meant CP times colored people. Right. Time. Now, now I know that because that's what everybody's been talking about. I've never heard of that joke before. Maybe it's a New York thing. Well, it's a, yeah. No, it's. I think it's. A, it, I think it's a colored people thing. It's like you know talking about a. Uh, my my wife always says, "Hey, we're running on Ed Hoffman time, and we're always late." Well, we're not always late, but we just don't want to get. We don't want to be the first ones to the party. Well, I guess the point is that it's only supposed to be black people that make this joke, and not not white people like Hillary. Is that kind of it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, when I first understood this part, I'm thinking, who uses the word "colored people" to describe black people anymore? Anyways, I mean, I thought that term was like really outdated. I've never used the word "colored people" to talk about black people because I thought it was just a stupid term to begin with. I mean, we're all technically colored, as opposed to what white people who are what the absence of color. I mean, we're all kind of like, sh- sh- you know, shades of browns and tans and whatever. So I've always thought it was just a stupid saying, but but for her to actually say this joke just shows how antiquated. She really is. Remember when Trump went on uh, Saturday Night Saturday Night Live and he hosted, and uh, he went through the list of the skits and some of them he said, "Nah, I can't do that. Right, nah, I can't do that. At least, at least he was presidential enough to know. Nah, that's not going to be good sound bites for me. It's not not going to. It's a little bit too risque. I better not get involved in that. Well, and the, the, it was interesting listening to the response of the crowd because they obviously were like, "Huh," you know. And really, I think the only way that Hillary could have probably saved this joke if she would have like burst out "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot." I think at the end that might have been able to. She might have pulled it off if she'd have done that. What do you think? I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of the I'm swing trying to think. low, sweet chair. Come for a, coming for to carry me home. Yeah, swing low, sweet. I mean, this reminds me of I'll, Biden's dumb snafu saying he's going to put y'all back in chains. Yeah, exactly. Those Republicans are going to put y'all back in chains. How how, how insulting! How condescending! Uh, if you're black and listen to this kind of garbage, and the black people, the black people overwhelmingly support Hillary. Oh, okay. They, she, she's got to pass. Now imagine again if a Republican had said something like this. Imagine yeah. it. It'd be over. It'd be over. It'd exactly. be over. And then after, and after the backlash, Hillary threw De Blasio under the bus by telling reporters, "Well, look, it was Mayor De Blasio's skit. He addressed it, and I will really defer to him because it's something he's already talked about." And meanwhile, uh, De Blasio decided the best thing to do was just. Blame people for not understanding how funny it was. It was clearly a, a staged show, it was a scripted show, and the whole idea was to do the counterintuitive and say cautious politician time. Uh, every actor involved, including uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, Leslie Odom Jr., thought it was a joke on a different convention. That was the whole idea of it. So I, I think people are missing the point here. Yeah, it was a joke on a different convention. Colored people. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. It it stunk. It the was, delivery was awful. The, the joke was lame. The whole thing was because everyone would think, oh, did they just say that? And they said, cautious politicians. Oh, I get it. <laughs> so, hey, it, we weren't talking about colored people. Yeah, you were. <laughs> That's what was supposed to make it funny. Right. So uh, the day after she and de Blasio were forced to defend the skit, Hillary spoke at Al Sharpton's National Action Network. You know, it's whenever you get caught in something racial, Make sure you have a photo photo opportunity with Al Sharpton or, or, or Jesse Jackson next day. I think Bernie Sanders did that a couple weeks ago, didn't he? Uh, yeah. So here's a, here's a uh, excerpt from her racially charged speech. White Americans need to do a much better job of listening when African Americans talk about the seen and unseen barriers you face every day. 
We need to recognize our privilege and practice humility rather than assume our experiences are everyone else's experiences. Yeah, I think everybody's experiences are different than everybody else's experiences. Should we start doing that with the LGBT too, uh, LGBT crowd too? Yeah, their experiences are a lot different than my experiences. I don't understand them. And uh, sorry, I'm not sympathetic to them because I got a lot of experiences that they didn't experience. Hey, you know what? I wasn't born with uh, parents with money. Sorry, I wasn't born with parents who got along. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, wasn't born in a house that, that was nice that you could have your friends over because I was the one that walked by the house with a, uh, hey, if someone's driving by, you don't want them to see you in that house. I got to see all kinds of stuff that kids shouldn't have to see in there. And guess what? I'm not using it for a crutch because opportunity is equal. Life isn't. Exactly. Well said. Well said. So, and while we're on the on the subject of Hillary, I don't know if you saw the uh, hmm. the debates Thursday night. You know what? I would have accepted Celebrity Hollywood Squares was on at the same time, or I would have watched it. It was. No, I just made that up because oh, there's no way say, I, I was going to waste any more of my time watching Democrat debates because oh, they're awful. I was going to say I hope Don DVR'd them. <laughs> well, I was. I came home and uh, they had the uh, the Fox uh, conservatives on there, and I was listening on the way home on my XM radio, Fox News, uh, and I was listening. Uh, I think uh, I was going to be listening to uh, the AM station, but I think it had a Laker game on it, so uh, I turned it quickly to Fox, and uh, and apparently there was some uh, sound problems with uh, Ted Cruz, so and it just sounded like something was going yeah, wrong. Yeah, basically his mic got hijacked by some operative, and there's what people are claiming now, at least that's what Rush Limbaugh was saying, is that, you know, Trump's mic worked great, John Kasich's mics were great, unfortunately, uh, Ted Cruz's mic went out about halfway through his speech. Uh, that's kind of interesting for Sound, something like that happened in New York. Sounds like a scene from Forrest Gump. <laughs> in the land of Vietnam, people got... And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> What's your name? Forrest, Forrest Gump. Hey, so, uh, so, but, you know, in, in the, the one part of the, of the debate I saw, I flipped it over to, uh, to uh, the Communist News Network to see the, the debates. And uh, Hillary's getting meaner, man, I'm telling you. And what's even better is Dana Bash, who I'm not a, uh, a fan of, um, but maybe I am now. Listen to this when uh, they asked her about the transcripts of her speeches from Lehman Brothers. Senator Sanders keeps bringing up the speeches that you gave to Goldman Sachs. So I'd like to ask you, you've said that uh, you don't want to release the transcripts until everybody does it. But if there is nothing in those speeches that you think would change voters' minds, why not just release the transcripts and put this whole issue to bed? You know, first of all, first of all, there isn't an issue. When I was in public service serving as the senator from New York, I did stand up to the banks. I did make it clear that their behavior would not be excused. I'm the only one on this stage who did not vote to deregulate swaps and derivatives as Senator Sanders did, which led to a lot of the problems that we had with Lehman Brothers. Now, if you're going to look at the problems that actually caused the Great Recession, you got to look at the whole picture. It was a giant insurance company, AIG. It was an investment bank, Lehman Brothers. It was mortgage companies like Countrywide. I'm not saying that Senator Sanders 
did something untoward when he voted to deregulate swaps and derivatives. But the fact is, he did. And that contributed to the collapse of Lehman Brothers, which started the cascade. The question was about the transcripts of the speeches to Goldman Sachs. Why not release them? I have said, look, there, there, are certain, there are certain expectations when you run for president. This is a new one. And I've said, if everybody agrees to do it, because there are speeches for money on the other side, I know that. But I will tell you this, there is... There is a long-standing expectation that everybody running release their tax returns. And you can go, you can go to my website and see eight years of tax returns, and I've released 30 years of tax returns. And I think every candidate, including Senator Sanders and Donald Trump, should do the same. Secretary Clinton, we're going to get to the tax returns later, but just to put a button on this, you're running now for the Democratic nomination. Right. And it, it is your Democratic opponent and many Democratic voters who want to see those transcripts. It's not about the Republicans at this point. Bam! A little bashing by Dana Bash. Exactly. She's, mm. uh, she, you know, and, and, uh, and Hillary continued to do sidestep around that. Couldn't, couldn't uh, quite get away from it. Kind of like, you know, I was, I'm surprised that, that uh, Bernie Sanders hasn't gone after her for the uh, for the email things. Nobody gives a damn about their emails, Ed. Oh, I've yes, said they that do. Before. No, I've said that before. I, I know he may not, but maybe he doesn't want. Maybe he really doesn't want the the nomination. Um, you think he's just maybe a prop there to make it look like Hillary's actually running against somebody? Me, I, I I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, a lot. He won seven out of the last eight states. Yeah, no kidding. I have a hard time thinking how she's still ahead because <laughs> she's Hillary. That's why. Um, you know, and she was saying, well, as long as everybody else does it, I, did Bernie do speeches to Lee? Brothers, I, I doubt it. No, he said he would release all the transcripts of all his all his, all his speeches. speeches. Yeah, and they're probably all really, really boring, like every other speech that he gives. Uh, but it is interesting how Hillary is a master of not answering a question. She just danced around that, just like at the Benghazi hearings, Ed. And you know, they and they talk about it. You know, too many people have seen uh, seen the movie, uh, uh, the big. Uh, the big short, the big short, mm. and that's all they know about what happened in the. Oh, it's the big banks, the big banks, then the and and Bernie Sanders says the big banks they got to be broken up because that's a it's a big danger to us. We got we got to break up the banks. Said I'm not sure what we're gonna break them up into, but we're gonna break them up into something. Oh, and you know, and while I while I, before I get onto the the bank thing, mm. um, I watched part of part of that debate. Isn't Bernie Sanders Jewish? Uh, no, he's a phony Jew, which means that he's Jewish in name only. There's a lot of Jews out there that's, oh, I'm Jewish, but when's the last time you've actually been in a synagogue, dude? I mean, they use it for convenience, but there's absolutely nothing Jewish or religious about Bernie Sanders. He was actually, uh, he was actually defending the Palestinian people as opposed to Israel. Yeah, again, another phony Jewish person. Uh, there's a lot of phony Catholics out there, too. Uh, like Nancy Pelosi's a phony Catholic. Uh, Harry Reid is a phony Mormon. He's actually a moron. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of people that use this religious stuff for their own convenience, but they're, they're really not practicing anything. Yeah, they're they're Christian for two hours on Sunday morning. Pretty much. And the rest of the other six and a half days of, of the Hil- week. there. A lot of these people, they're not even that. I mean, they don't, you know, I mean, Hillary Clinton might say she's a Christian or what. I don't even know. She doesn't even, I, I'm pretty sure she's an atheist, I think, just like Obama, but. Satan an atheist? 
Yeah, yeah. I well, she was Beelzebub. She's it's pronounced Beelzebub, Ed. Beelzebub, uh, it okay. is. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure she is the Antichrist, and we can talk about that at some other point. I, I think the Vatican's working on confirmation of that right now. They're trying to uh, get some exorcists in here. Yes, they, that's the only way we're going to remove Hillary Clinton for good is through an exorcism. So, so, but just so people know, the uh, when when the when the economy melted down, it wasn't countrywide, and it wasn't AIG, and it wasn't uh, who else did she mention? Lehman Brothers. The if the products are there, the, and this is what business people understand, there if you put opportunity in front of people, if you put certain things in front of people, people are gonna are gonna take advantage of it. I saw a, a seminar where the Alan Greenspan was speaking in two thousand two thousand eight, I believe it was. No, it was two thousand eleven. I think it was eleven. I don't know. Anyway, anyway it was two thousand something, and uh, and and somebody asked him about the. Uh, what happened with subprime and he said you know what uh fraud and corruption are a byproduct of our freedoms as long as we have a free society there's going to be people who take advantage of every freedom that we have and and use it to their advantage hence the uh hence the 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 clinton administration and uh and specifically uh the uh the um uh, head of the Financial Services Committee, uh, Barney Frank, and the head of Senate Banking Committee, Christopher Dodd, created subprime mortgages to try and help the underserved people, people that don't own houses probably because they don't know how to pay their bills and they don't make very much money and they can't qualify for loans because banks only want to make loans that will actually get paid back because they have stockholders and they have responsibility to the FDIC and the other uh, regulation, regulatory bodies. But uh, but the... but. The Senate Banking Committee, Financial Services Committee, who the head of the Financial Services Committee, Barney Frank, openly openly homosexual, having openly homosexual uh, affair with one of the top guys at Fannie Mae. I don't have his name right in front of me, but I can get no it. No pun about, intended on that Fannie Mae. Uh, Fannie. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no pun intended. You have to delete they that. Created, they created these products and told the big banks, the big banks like Countrywide and Bank of America and Citibank and Chase and uh, Wells Fargo, you have to sell 38% of your portfolio to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac in in these products or else you don't sell anything to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Essentially meaning if you don't market Fannie, if you don't market subprime, you're out of the mortgage business. Right. And and again, you know a lot more about this than I do, but my understanding is that I mean banks are businesses and banks don't want to make stupid business decisions. To to loan money to someone who on paper probably can't pay it back is a dumb business decision that banks wouldn't make on their own. So you have the government intervening, kind of like this minimum wage thing. Why is it the government every time they intervene, it just it's a disaster? And then they can of course come along later on and say, you know, we'll just need to fix this problem with more regulation because we're gonna blame the banks when it was actually the government that that forced Coerced banks, uh, coerced banks into making these bad, dumb loans that created this big problem in the first place. And just for the for the to to finish it up, when you watch the Big Short, when Hillary refers to swaps and derivative derivatives, swaps are are credit default swaps, and deri derivatives are collateralized debt obligations, meaning they packaged up a whole bunch of these loans, created a big bond package that they sold to uh, to big investors all over the world, and they created this thing. Hey, we've got these big bunch of crappy loans let's package them together with some good loans mix them together we'll have the we'll have the rating companies say hey these are triple a and we'll pay them off to do it so that we can get triple a we can get these things sold off our books and then the credit default swaps when they start re realizing and this is what the big shorts about is when you start realizing that these things are that this this building is going to fall it's built on sand not on on rock then you start taking out insurance policies to insure yourself against default on the on what's inevitably going to default 
that stuff happened because of subprime. That didn't have the thing didn't didn't fall didn't uh, the the economy didn't crumble because of Lehman Brothers. It didn't uh, because of AIG or Countrywide or any of that. It happened because the government got involved and forced the banks to make to make stupid decisions because they don't understand business. Right. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, makes perfect sense. Um, and it just goes to show, yeah, we, we want less government in this country, not more. When the government gets involved in things it's not supposed to, like, oh, I don't know, health care, or like, oh, I don't know, the minimum wage, or like, I don't know, my retirement, or other things, they inevitably screw it up, Ed. They screw it up. That's not what the government's for. I want the government to do two things, kill terrorists and fix potholes. And other than that, please just stay out of my way. That's it. Well, the private sector could fix potholes, too. Well, that's true. Maybe it's we just really, need to kill. Actually, the private sector could, could kill the terrorists if you give us the opportunity. You could, but yeah. t- but typically your your government is there for two things: is protect us from our yep. enemies and enforce the laws yep. that the people create, not the government creates right. the laws. So let's uh, go on to uh, our our last subject, and that's uh, Paul Ryan and and the 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 inevitable brokered convention. Uh, John Kasich continues to operate under the delusion that he can win the Republican nomination. Speaking to the local Fox affiliate in New York City on Tuesday, Kasich said that he's the only one that can beat Hillary. I disagree, but here's what he said. First of all, if it's either Trump or Cruz, we're going to get killed in the fall. And uh, I am the only one that can win. And I I think, I think, Roseanne, that the, the, the process of picking a nominee uh, to represent the Republican Party normally is being picked so we could win at the White House. So maybe this is not the year we care about who wins the White House, but I think I've got to remind people that that's like really important. So if I'm the only big person that can beat Hillary, why would I not continue to run so I could win the White House Governor, and change the country? I have a hard time believing that he's the only one that could beat Hillary. I think any of the any anybody on that stage that's running for president could beat Hillary. Well, yeah, I mean, it's mathematically impossible for John Kasich to win the nomination. And I will say this, that if if somehow, some way, the Republican Party, the Republican establishment manages to pull somebody else out of thin air to be the nominee, the backlash of that from both Trump supporters and Cruz supporters will be astronomical. Because they're going to they're going to say, hey, you know what? Uh, the the the. The nominate nomination. The nominee is supposed to be elected by the people, not selected by the by the uh, establishment. And that's basically, hey, we did. We all went out and voted, and now you ignored our votes. Yep. And the and uh, they continue to ask Kasich. He he talked to in that last clip. He said something about Roseanne, but he's talking to a guy. So I don't understand. <laughs> Roseanne Barr. I don't know. Roseanne Barr does. I know she was had uh, doing some radio at one point. I don't think anybody really? listened to her, but he did say Roseanne, so I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's somebody else's. Maybe there was maybe he was at a hot dog stand and she was giving him a hot dog at the same time. Hey, Roseanne, <laughs> put some more peppers on that. Hey, thing. Roseanne, you know what my dad did for a living? He was a postman, huh? Uh, hey, and you know what Rubio's dad was? He was a bartender, <laughs> and his mom was a maid. Hey, so the, he continu- we've heard way too many debates. Ed. I know, way too many. Yep. So he continues to press on. They can continue to press Kasich on how he thinks he can win when he doesn't have any delegates. <laughs> Let's play that clip. Let me tell you, there yeah. been ten Republican contested conventions. Okay, ten, and seven times the person picked went to the convention trailing. Only three times that the person who was ahead get picked. So you see, when you go to a convention, you're gonna have people there, they're gonna say, who can win in the fall? Now, if Trump and Cruz can't win in the fall, why would you think that they would be picked? Kasich, you're not just trailing, you're like virtually nowhere in terms of the numbers. 
Um, but it does bring up a, a good point, Ed, that I, I want to bring up, and that is the the Trump versus Cruz thing. And you know, the interesting thing, Ed, the most interesting thing is California actually is going to play a role in this thing. Finally, we Finally. get a, we get a chance to have a say so. Yeah. Of course, if we had a say so in the beginning, we might have a, still have a chance for Scott Walker or Rick Perry. Well, that's or true. That's Carly true. Fiorina. And of course, that leads me to my next point, Ed, is that several of those people, actually, most of those people, have endorsed Ted Cruz, uh, including Carly Fiorina. Actually, three of your favorites, Scott Walker, Fiorina, and Rick Perry, are now all endorsing Ted Cruz. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't back up the reason. I think you know when when uh, Trump basically insults him. Uh, they get their feelings hurt, mm. and they have to, you know, you know what? If Cruz gets the nomination, I'm going to vote for him. Right, and, and likewise, if Trump gets the nomination, I will vote for him. I didn't think I actually didn't think Trump had a had a chance, and uh, of getting the, as far as he did. But the more I think about it, the more I look at it, and I know as a businessman, I understand things that a lot of people don't, as you do, and you and we wonder why our employees and and our and our peers and our neighbors don't understand what seems obvious sometimes because they don't have the same experience. Well, yeah, and, and I think a lot of it is just they're just not educated. And I did want to add, too, of course, Jeb Bush and Lindsey Graham have backed Cruz, and I've always had a lot of respect for both of those guys, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes, What's so funny, have. Ed? Yeah, but you got guys that are backing up uh, backing up Trump. You got mm. a, uh, Milani? Uh, you got a, a ben, ben Carson, who I have a... A total amount of respect for mm-hmm. was one of my top three yep. uh, going into it. Um, uh, Chris Christie, yep. who other than the hug, <laughs> I liked him until the hug and the and the and the selfish speech in the last uh, Republican convention. And uh, Huckabee Huckabee hasn't come out and endorsed him, but he always defends him every time he says something stupid. Hey, he uh, he said so, he had a stupid uh, uh, answer on the abortion thing, but uh, don't hold that against him. Well, okay. you know, look, uh, the only thing that scares me at is the polls that show Trump losing to Hillary pretty badly. How do you feel about that? I don't like it, but I also have a hard time thinking that once once it's down to Hillary and Trump, assuming it is, that it's going to get ugly. Yeah, well, it's going to get interesting, that's for sure. Or Hillary against Cruz, as I'm kind of hoping it's going to play out. So. I'm uh, Whatever it is, as long as it's not Hillary, we, ha- <laughs> we have a chance to keep our country. Yes, we do. Hey, we're out of time for this episode of uh, the main event. Scott, thanks for joining me once again. You'll be uh, soloing it while I'm on vacation. I in a can't wait, weeks. Ed. It's going to be fun. All right, do uh, do me justice here. I will. Hey, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. <laughs> <laughs>